into the Buff Stampede Basketball Podcast. Yes, Buff Stampede Basketball coverage is improving this season. You liked us so much last year that uh, we're going to give you even more, and partially because we're really bored and have nothing else to do because... Oh, whoa, whoa. Um, and I think that partially you're really bored and have nothing else to do because our basketball coverage is getting a lot of clicks right now, so that's exciting. Uh, I am Jake Shapiro. Joined by Chase Hall and Vinay Simlot. You guys are known for the football podcast right now. Chase, of course, covered the basketball team with me last year uh, and has done his own thing and has done a million other things. I have covered CU basketball for basically the entire Tad Boyle era for a variety of outlets with a variety of credibility, uh, doing basically Correct. anything I can just to, to, to watch basketball. And uh, uh, I stay away from that second. bald head. Yeah, and Vinay, uh, for those who don't know Vinay, he's uh, – Vinay's like kind of my protege, protege uh, yeah. but not – I try to keep him distanced from me because I don't you know, have the best name sometimes. Uh, so Vinay's a student at CU and, uh, in the journalism school and he's our boots on the ground. He's got a lot going on and he'll be, uh, he'll be up in Boulder maybe more at the actual games than Chase and I because Chase and I live in the real world now. Uh, in Denver, Colorado, which is really weird. So uh, what do you boys have to say? Basketball season getting underway. Uh, the three of us are working together on a podcast. Uh, I've worked a lot with both of you individually. Don't know if we've ever three worked together. Not sure. Never. Never. Yeah, ever. I'm, I'm just surprised someone gave us a podcast. I don't know if Adam knows what he approved. I'm just surprised that the three of us have jobs right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised I'm employable. <laughs> yeah, man. Like uh, Adam doesn't know what he approved. Adam. Like, <laughs> put Jake Shapiro on a podcast, you're gonna have some struggles uh, with what's gonna be said. So, hopefully, we're gonna limit what's said. Um, I've got my trusty Boulder Collegians glass of water and my Riptide Rush Gatorade. And you know, one of the things that I knew before 2020 is that if you ever see Riptide Rush at the supermarket. You buy the entire supermarket out of Riptide Rush because it is the greatest flavor of Gatorade. So maybe we'll do some Gatorade rankings sometime in the future. If we, I've never seen Riptide Rush. Maybe I'll try it. Frost purple. I'm a dark purple guy, but what? Just grape. Riptide. Yeah, grape. They've got that new lemon cucumber Gatorade. I'm a fan of those. It's kind of like spicy. What? 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 (laughs) <laughs> like cucumber Gatorade, Vinay? Yeah, it's pretty good. Try it. It's really good if you have a hangover. Oh, my God. I don't know about cucumber Gatorade. Hangover. Already flying in we with drink. We don't drink. I don't know. I don't know. We're two minutes in, and Vinay already has the hottest take we're going <laughs> to <laughs> Right. Like, what is that? Um, well, I think we're going to bring some hot takes on this basketball season, and uh, what's going on this week I think has been interesting. We're going to do a couple podcasts before the season starts, at least one more, maybe two, and that season starts 13 days from today on recording November 12th. I think this podcast will probably get posted on the 13th. Uh, the basketball team right now kind of still practicing, getting their legs underneath them, conditioning, still a big goal this week. Everything's kind of a mess for everyone in the world right now, basketball team included, in terms of what they need to get accomplished, where they need to be at. I think freshmen in particular are really behind the curve in terms of where they really normally are and where they should be, which is a bummer because the freshmen are going to be relied upon on this team, and we'll talk about that. Uh, The roster makeup of this team is rather interesting to me uh, compared to the normal Tad Boyle team, but 
this stuff this week that I think we should focus on first is Tad Boyle with the 16th best class in the nation? What the hell? Guys, that's just what the hell? What the hell? We should have asked Adam if we could swear on this podcast. I didn't I don't know the rules, but I would 16, Jake. That is unbelievable. You've been covering Tad for a while. Has he ever had a class that's even close to this good? I think we can go to 27, 2016, the the Tyler Bay class, but that wasn't top 25, was it? 2012, 17th. So one spot worse, and that was the Josh Scott, Xavier Johnson, Xavier Talton, which, you know what? Credit to Tad. Josh Scott's one of the five best players, ten best players of the Tad Boyle era. But that one was a little bit easier because Josh Scott and Xavier Talton were both Colorado kids. Yeah, the worst – well, by rating, the worst player in this class is the Colorado kid. The rest are out of the state. Which is crazy because the Colorado kid's a good ba- basketball player. And I know I know you've seen him, Chase, uh, do one of the foot things, football or basketball. I <laughs> somehow have avoided Cherry Creek coverage on high school coverage for the Post the last two years, which is really weird because the Post loves to cover Cherry Creek. Yeah, I've seen him play football quite a bit, actually. I, obviously, he's the starting quarterback for Cherry Creek. He was last year when they won the state championship. Um, he is again this year. They're probably going to win the state championship again. He's a very impressive football player, but anytime I talk to someone at Cherry Creek about him, they always bring up um, his skills on the hardwood, and I haven't actually gotten to see him play live. Obviously, I've been watching all the tape, but yeah, a very impressive player. Obviously, a leader. I hear that a lot um, from those guys. He's a winner. He hasn't lost a game as the starting quarterback of Cherry Creek, um, and the basketball program has been all right, too. So there's a lot of, I think, intangibles I like about him. I haven't seen too much of uh, Julian Hammond's game yet. And again, Julian Hammond is the worst player according to <laughs> our our rankings in this class, which, again, is nothing on Julian. I mean, dude's a 6'2 combo guard, uh, three-star, you know, one of the top 250 recruits in the country. Like, he's legitimately good. Like, you look at the top recruits to come out of Colorado in terms of basketball the last 15 years, Julian's name is going to be up there. So, uh, and, and there are some really good names, the guys that have gone to Colorado, of course, like Josh Scott and, you know, Derek White eventually. But there's also some really good guys that have gone out of state to play for some other really good schools. So uh, this is this is a really nice class. And rounding out the other, the other guard spot that Tad got was Javon Ruffin, who another guy who has a Cherry Creek connection. His dad, Mike, uh, was an NBA player, went to Cherry Creek. Six foot five, 195 pounds shooting guard from New Orleans. Uh, another three star guy, rated right there with Hammond in terms of where they are in the country. Um, but I think the guys we know most about are Quincy Allen and Lawson Lovering. Um, Quincy Allen is the stud of the class, and he reminds me a lot of Xavier or Stanley Johnson. Six seven, small forward, can create, can shoot, can just really do anything. Highly skilled dude from DC. And then, Chase, I'm going to toss it over to you on Lawson. I think it was Lovering. Silver Spring, Maryland, right? Uh, it just says Washington D.C. I, you know what, Vinay? I Silver Spring. Yeah, I, I have no. Vinay is our DMV expert. He's. <laughs> It's, it's like how Chase is from Denver, Colorado, even though he's not actually from Denver. It's, we, we don't – there's no difference at the end of the day. Uh, but, yeah, Ch- Chase, what do you know about Lawson Lovering? Because Lawson Lovering is going to be a really important player for CU because they are going to be losing Evan Batty and Dallas Walton after next year most likely. Um, meaning Lawson Lovering, his sophomore year at the very latest – 
is going to be playing 30 minutes a night. Well, you mentioned that 2012 recruiting class. I don't think Tad has recruited a big man quite as good as this since uh, the man, Josh Scott. So there's going to be some high expectations for him. He uh, he committed pretty early, about two years ago. Um it, it seemed like it, he was a sophomore in high school at the time. Maybe, maybe it was a little bit later than that. But, um, yeah, up in Wyoming, obviously not very highly recruited, hard to get to. Um, not many college coaches are going to Cheyenne to go look for high school prospects. So I actually think he's a little bit underrated. Um, but it seemed like he picked up a little steam this past spring where he started to become a four-star recruit. Uh, he jumped into the top 50 on 24-7 sports. I know on the composite uh, he's still top 100 but I, I think it, it's a big man that they, they really haven't had before. I know you can maybe Dallas Walton, but w- there's never been a bona fide seven-footer on the CU basketball team, at least in the Tad Boyle era. I mean, and he's a good passer too, isn't he? Lawson Lovering. He can drive. He can dribble. He, he can, can do it all for you. Yeah, he can, yeah. He can um, really good vision. Yeah, he can he, do it all. He's a highly skilled guy. Uh, the only other guy that's really come close to seven feet and could play was Wes Gordon, who was 6'11". Uh, mm-hmm. And Wes was, you know, and same as Tory Miller-Stewart. Tory was uh, probably 6'10". Um, but both of those guys were, you know, throw it into the post, it's a black hole. You know, it, it's not coming back out. Josh was the most skilled big man that they have, most versatile game. And even Josh, he wasn't going to hit any jumpers from more than, you know, 15, 18 feet out. Lawson can shoot. Lawson Lawson's going to have the ability to to line up. He looks like a modern day big man, and he you know it's weird because you know Cheyenne and Wyoming kind of feels like a foreign country to people in Boulder, Colorado, <laughs> even it though is. it's actually really close. Um, it, Lawson Lovering has kind of a foreign big man game to him. I was just about to say that, Jake. That's a great point. Yeah, he's just really well-rounded, and uh, I don't know that he does anything exceptionally well right now, and he's, he's 17, you know, there's, there's, there's no worry <laughs> with that, but he has a great base for doing so many different good things on the basketball court, and I'm just really excited to see him, and and yeah, you know what, physicality, there's going to be some question marks about a seven-foot seven skinny white kid from, from, from Wyoming, but... He's going to grow into that body the way his build is, and I just I'm really interested to see his development. He's one of the most interesting players I've seen from Tad in a while. Um, probably going back to you know mid Tad Boyle era where they had a couple really you know highly high ceiling guys that did or didn't pan out. You know, I, I'll put it this way: Deshaun Schwartz is the last player that I, I wa- that I've watched and I'm still watching. Where I went, okay, I see the ceiling with this, and there's a lot of room to grow, and I love the potential there. Yeah, I've talked to Lawson's dad quite a bit, or at least when I was covering the team, and I put <laughs> some meat on those bones. I think he's he's going to be around two thirty by the time he gets to campus, and I think he's closer to seven foot two um, than seven foot one, at least from uh, what I've been hearing from his dad. So he is he's really been sprouting, um, yeah. and, and it seems like he's filling out at least throughout this summer. So I do think he's going to have. Um, the size right when he gets there, right when he gets there on campus. He's not just going to be some skinny dude that doesn't know um, how to use his body yet. Dallas um, wasn't re- isn't a huge guy. He's not a, a physically imposing seven-footer. Dallas Walton isn't. And he was able to hold his own before he got hurt against those big uh, Arizona centers. I don't know if you're – I know, Jake, you remember that game when Colorado upset Arizona. I think it was two years ago. 
Yeah, DeAndre Ayton. Yeah, and people so he, forget it wasn't just DeAndre Ayton. Dusan Ristich also started for them. They had two seven-footers starting for them at the time. And Dallas outplayed them both. And so I think I think size might not be as big of a thing when you get to college as it might be maybe in the NBA. So if he doesn't put on the, the weight, I don't know if, if it's as necessary for his game. I see him as one of those guys who grew up playing like the one or two guard and then just became a seven-footer. And that's why he's so skilled at everything else he does. Which is funny because he's always been tall. So this isn't the yeah. classic definition of that. Uh, but, you know, you do raise an interesting point of size maybe not being the most important in college. I, I look at it in strength terms. Like, you know, Tyler Bay never got exceedingly strong. I mean, he's a strong dude, but it wasn't like he needed to be extremely strong to stop Isaiah Stewart, who, you know, looks like Isaiah Stewart looks like an alien. Like it, there's, there shouldn't be humans shaped like that. Like, I love that dude. Like, I think that I want the nuggets to kind of low key draft him and take a chance on him. But, uh, the strength thing becomes more important in, in, in the NBA as you're alluding to Vinay. But the height thing is really important, especially in the PAC 12, because every single year, Arizona, USC, UCLA, and Oregon have these big dudes. And one of my problems with CU's construction this year, uh, you can take this point and transition if you want. We can come back to the class or not, um, is that CU is going to be pretty small this year. And we don't exactly know what we're getting from Dallas Walton, meaning Evan Batty might be the biggest dude on the floor a lot of the times with Jariah Horn. And that's a really small team. And Tad hasn't had a small team like this. So I think Lawson Lovering is going to be really important for the future of CU because the way Tad Boyle runs his team is they need a rim protector. They need a big man that can set screens and roll and kind of rim run and stuff like that. And I know Lawson's game is going to be a little more versatile than that, but they, they need that at the very least. And this year, they don't really have that outside of Dallas Walton. And that's counting on a guy who's torn his ACL a bunch of times. And I love Dallas and I think he's going to be better. And I, I love that he's more confident now and his brace, brace off. Up. Right, like good good signs, but it's just we don't know until we see it again. Yeah, I think uh, I think I think you're right. I mean, um, Evan Batty is six eight. He's not seven feet. He's I don't know how how much bigger he how, whether he's actually six eight. But you're you're right. Evan Batty can be physical in the post. He can't be that rim protector that that maybe. Tyler Bay was last year, or even Lucas Seward was last year. So yeah, you're relying kind of on Dallas Walton and Evan Batty. You're looking for a three-point shooting team the way it's set up for next year. But Tad likes a, po- a paint touch before anyone shoots a three. And I don't know how much you'll, you're, you'll get that if you don't have as many big guys. Right. I think the two biggest worries for this team is going to be rim protection and rebounding. And we've already heard uh, Tad say it a few times in some of these interviews that he's just a little bit worried about the way this team's going to rebound. And, and a lot of that is heart, but size definitely helps uh, when it comes to rebounding. And a guy like Lawson Lovering will help that out in a year, but um, I don't know what's going to happen this year. I wanted to make one quick point because I know we want to tra- uh, transition into the season, but uh, I want to make one thing about Lawson. I thought, I thought Tad had a very interesting quote um, about him yesterday. When he was talking about, I always say this with seven footers. One question I ask myself as a coach is if Lawson was six foot tall instead of seven feet tall, 
would he play basketball? And the answer is yes, because he loves the game. And, and I think I get that, that vibe a lot um, from Lawson. And there's a lot of seven footers out there, especially in college basketball um, that you can't really tell if they love basketball. And, and I know it's very cliche, um, but getting somebody that, you know, loves the game of basketball and will work day in, day out um, to be better, obviously is a great thing to have. And before we completely transition off this class, I, I don't feel like I've done enough justice to the fact that the Buffs got Quincy Allen. Like, right. you know, just saying yeah. that they've got a guy that might be like Xavier Johnson isn't enough. Like, I, I was just saying that's a similar play style. Uh, Quincy Allen's a guy that could be a first-round lottery pick. Like, this is this is the dude. And the fact that you're going to end up replacing Deshaun Schwartz, who you can make a pretty good case, has been one of the three best wings in the 10 years of Tad Boyle. Uh, with a guy who's going to be even better probably is crazy. Uh, And that was the one thing that was really missing from this group of nine guys that is going to lead the buffs for the next few years is they didn't have a wing playmaker, a wing scorer. You know, Keyshawn Bartholomew looks like a really good player. Luke O'Brien, I think, is a shooter, and he can do some other things, and we're, we're excited about Lovering. And we're excited about some of these other guys, and this freshman class looks great at CU, but they have a lot of guards, and they have a lot of smaller wings. This is a six foot seven wing that can play the power forward or small forward spot in the Pac-12, and he's going to really be able to score the ball, and his frame is good enough to where Tad Boyle can say, hey, we're not playing you until you start playing some defense, and he could end up being a really good defender too. So uh, the, the potential for Quincy Allen as a scoring wing with both a finesse game and an explosive game and a tremendous shooting game, which is something that Tad Boyle has struggled to recruit, a tremendous wing shooter, that really excites me. When was the last time Tad has recruited somebody that you say this guy's a potential lottery pick? I I think maybe Alec Burks, but I don't know about coming out of high school. Andre? Andre was was yeah. the guy. Uh, you know, I, I think that when you were looking at recruiting, it, it had to. I mean, you couldn't say that about Josh because we all kind of knew what Josh Scott was. He was a, you know, he's a great college player. But yeah, my, it probably was Andre. Uh, but Alec, Alec's a tough one because Tad didn't really recruit Alec. He just right. recruited Alec back so he wouldn't leave early after the ending of the last era. So. Yeah, but this is this is the first time I, as someone that casually follows recruiting, because as you guys know, and the board will hate it, and I shouldn't admit it working for Puff <laughs> Stampede, I don't really believe in recruiting as much as I believe in developing players, and Tad Boyle has basically proved that the last few years, is just get a bunch of three stars and develop them and, and see mm-hmm. what happens, and, and look how successful CU basketball and stable CU basketball has been. Uh, but this is the first time that I've watched the recruiting process of a single person and been thrilled about the potential of it since the Buffs lost out on uh, the kid who went to Oregon, got that got drafted by the Hawks, the guard. Uh, what was his name? Uh, shooter. He was a really good shooter. Played at Oregon for two years. Oh, I, I just had it and then yeah, away. but anyway, it's, they lost out on him to, to Dana Altman, and Tad's never uh, been thrilled about that. So, Vinay, uh, do you have any thoughts on Quincy Allen? Because I, you know, I think that this is the guy, and and this is again, we're talking about a guy who might be a lottery pick on top of a group of four guys that are on campus right now. That McKinley Wright has already said, I don't expect all four of these guys to stay here four years. So you're looking at a loaded group of nine guys that's going to have 
maybe two, three NBA players in it. Are you all hearing that? There's a an ambulance yeah. or something outside. Sorry about that. They're coming to sweep you. They're coming to take you off the floor because you're so shocked with this Tad Boyle recruitment. That, that's it. Yeah, I think, you know, great pickup by Tad Boyle. The question I have with these recruits is Tad's got a, a number 16 recruiting class. Who's recruiting these people? I mean, Kim English is gone. Anthony Coleman is gone. Did Coleman do this before he left? Yeah, that was part of it. Was involved, yeah, for, especially with Quincy Allen. I think he took a few trips um, to the MB area. All I'm saying is don't un- underestimate Nate Tomlinson. Don't ever underestimate yeah. Nate Tomlinson. Is Tad uh, like going to make a TikTok or something? Is that is that what's going on? Is that how he's getting all of these players? Imagine Tad Boyle on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to Tad started his Tad Tad started the Pac-12 media days with I'm not the most technologically savvy as he tried to figure out how to work Zoom. And I'm just like, dude, we we know, like we all know. We we've experienced it. Where he's right. on uh, on a phone call on Zoom for like five seconds and then he hops out. That was one of my favorite press conferences with Tad Boyle. Shock and disbelief. Do you remember that? Yes. Anyway. Yeah. I think um, good Good for Tad. I mean, if he, if he starts becoming a memer, even better, you know? So when you look at this year's team, 13 days before the start of the season, preseason polls have them ranked 7th in the Pac-12, uh, mid-tier in the country around 70th in terms of major programs and they're a young team that doesn't have a schedule as of now um (laughs) what are your guys's thoughts on where cu basketball is today um with kind of you know a broad look at the the season not necessarily previewing it like we will here in the next week or two well i can i can kind of understand why cu was chosen to finish seventh out of 12 in the pac 12 because you see the way the season ended last year, and then on paper you're looking at Colorado losing maybe their best player, Tyler Bay, from last year, and they're going into this year with without him and Lucas Seward and Shane Gatling, and you're thinking maybe, okay, they won't be as good as they were last year. So that's, that's kind of what I think is the rationale for putting them at 7th out of 12. Now, do I think they'll finish 7 out of 12? I don't think so. I think this team has way too much talent, I think, You've got McKinley Wright coming back. You've got Deshaun Schwartz, who he's kind of up and down, but if he can stay consistent, this team will go far. And then if Dallas Walton can put it all together, then I I, I would be excited about him. And then I'm also excited about the newcomers that we have. I'm too old to care about preseason polls. I've reached that point. You're 22. You have no idea how old you feel as soon as you graduate college. But you know what? You know what hit me? This this literally hit me last week. I'm closer to thirty than twenty now, man. Like this. Jeez, you this are old. You really? I'm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I, I think how old you are. Uh, I turned twenty six in May, so it was my half birthday. I had a gorgeous rocking celebration. <laughs> Happy belated birthday. Happy belated half birthday. Half birthday. Still celebrate your half birthdays. Every day should be celebrated. What was it? Uh, laugh, cry, think every day or whatever. Jimmy, Jimmy V. Yeah. Uh, so what, what I'll say about this team is I'm, I'm really excited to see this team as a lot of people are, but I'm not exactly sure what it is. Uh, and, you know, McKinley Wright coming back, leads me with a lot of confidence because I don't think that McKinley Wright 
lets losing happen. And I'm shocked still that they ended the season on the losing streak that they did because McKinley Wright was trying to will his way into those games. He just couldn't because the Buffs, some of the players on the team didn't seem like they really wanted to win. Ah. Didn't, didn't have that going for them. So uh, I, I think that there's going to be a lot of positivity and kind of refreshing the page. Uh, there are a lot of guys that want opportunities, that want to prove that they're good, and I think that's going to be really good on both a selfish level and an unselfish level with the freshman class. I asked McKinley Wright today about shooting. It's been one of my uh, thoughts the last few weeks is – you lost Shane Gatling and Lucas Seward, who were two of your best perimeter shooters. How are they going to be able to stretch the floor? Because a lot of C's offense is predicated on McKinley Wright being able to get downhill, which isn't going to happen if you're double-teaming him the entire game, right? And they have some really good shooters. They're just unproven. Is the Ryan Horn is a good shooter, though, who's kind of proven himself in two years. Yeah, like, it's decent enough, but... You know, last year, Chase and I spent the entire year basically saying, if Deshaun Schwartz scores 10 to 15 points, the Buffs win. Like, that was literally the entire recipe for success. Yeah. Uh, I think the Buffs don't win a single game this year if Deshaun Schwartz is only scoring 8 to 10 points a game. Like, Deshaun Schwartz is going to need to score a lot and be really good. Uh, McKinley Wright's going to need to be really good defensively and at least 80 to 90% of what he already was offensively. He doesn't need to grow there. He just needs to continue to be what he was. But McKinley Wright's going to be your best defender, and they don't have any rim protection. So that kind of scares me. Uh, I wonder how they're going to actually run their offense because they don't have a great pick-and-roll guy unless Dallas Walton is completely healthy. Uh, Evan Batty's going to be you know, a lot of post touches, playmaking out of the post, which is something I've looked forward to since he got on campus because he's such a good post playmaker. Maddox Daniels, I don't know what Maddox Daniels is. I can't really trust Maddox Daniels. No one knows uh, <laughs> Yeah, you know, one of the things that uh, a teacher we've all had at CU, the three of us, said to me one time about players and player evaluation is if you look at this, the decisions they make off the court, um, if they get a DUI, if they get um, – if they're posting oh, stupid stuff um, – <laughs> How are how am I going to be able to trust them on the court in terms of making authorities? decisions? Uh, no, it was not. Uh, uh, it was uh, you know it was. It's a really interesting opinion because it's like how can I trust them on the court in the heat of the moment to make a decision when they're sitting there, not under any pressure, under pressure, and they're making stupid decisions off the court. Um, and I wonder that with Maddox Daniels sometimes because I look at some of the things he decides to post. I think you're referring to his posts on Instagram. Yeah, so uh, I I just, I wonder what Maddox Daniels is and I don't know that he's more than a catch and shoot guy and I want him to play more defense than he's sometimes willing to and uh, I, you know let's put it this way, the most excited guy I am to see this year because I don't know what he is is Keyshawn Bartholomew uh I do know what he is because I've seen him, but I mean, like, actually playing a game. But I, I, I need more from CU's front court, and I think we're going to end up seeing a lot of Alexander Strading because Tad Boyle trusts him, and he actually gets to the right spots on defense, and he's like not a bad player. It's just like he's not great know, either, right? You, yeah. you know, you know what he is, and in, in the upside isn't amazing when he's on the floor. His ceiling is like Evan Batty's floor, but that's fine. <laughs> 
Right, but it's but it's better than some it's of the freshmen's floor. Yeah, the yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, to your point about rim protect, and I'm not even going to touch the Maddox Daniels thing because I don't I don't know if I I really care about about what he posts, but. Um, the, well, he makes some bad decisions on the court as well. I, I mean, my armpits start sweating when he puts the ball on the floor. If if yeah. he does anything besides shoot the basketball, I'm nervous. I think you can. I don't know if I quite agree with. Yeah, but I think you can separate the two. Wait, who? I'm trying to think of who that was. Uh, it was on CU's last tournament team, and I always forget who it was because he was supposed to be just a shooter, but then he decided he wanted to do a lot of playmaking in the tournament game, and the Buffs lost that game. It was some. It was. It was. The, it was another grad transfer, I think. Or was it Josh Fortune? Yeah, it was Josh Fortune. I yeah. completely forget about oh, Josh Fortune existing all of the time. <laughs> But anyway, there's a lot of similarities, Maddox Daniels and Josh Ford. Yes, there are. Your point about rim protecting, I don't know if the Tad Boyle defense is really built on rim protection. I think that might be like an extra plus that they got from Tyler Bay that they get when Dallas Walton is on the floor. I mean, Tad Boyle's defense is we wear you out, we force you to make bad shots. And uh, I think they'll be fine at that next year. I mean, and then the other point about not having Tyler Bay is the world champion Washington Nationals lost Bryce Harper, and they went and won the World Series. So I don't think losing your best player is as big of a deal. Maybe your team coalesces and becomes a better team, even though that guy is gone. I, I mean, I'd make the argument that Tyler Bay hasn't been their best player. Maybe their best NBA prospect, but I don't know if he's been their most important player. I mean, McKinley Wright's been the most important player yeah. since he stepped on campus, you know. I mean, he's, Agreed, he's but obvious. He, Tyler Bay was the most talented, most physically gifted, I think. Mm-hmm. So when you guys look at the young players on this team, who do you think is going to have the biggest impact and which guy do you think needs to step up the most? Because th- there's, you know... For as much as I really like this team, and I think there's some really good positives to this team, the Buffs are going to need probably two of these freshmen to play at least 10 minutes a game. So we got to throw Keyshawn out of out of the mix here? You can throw he Keyshawn doesn't... out. Yeah, no, Keyshawn counts. He's a redshirt freshman. Okay, well, I think Keyshawn is going to have the biggest impact. Um but who's, who might be the most crucial throughout those young guys? I'm kind of looking at Jabari Walker because that's a player that can kind of fill in to Tyler Bay's role. He's got that same sort of frame. He can block shots for you. Um, he can be athletic on defense. And maybe he, he's got something offensively to his game. I think that's where he's going to have to develop the most. But he was a really good rebounder um, in high school, and he can do a lot of the same things that Tyler Bay can do. So if they can get something out of Jabari Walker, I think – that would really help. But the most the most impactful this year, I think, will be Keyshawn Barthel. I agree. Tad said it was his uh, best backcourt duo that he's seen since he was at uh, Northern Colorado, right? I mean, he did. He did. He said that, uh, you know. With a straight face, too. Well, was he? Yeah. I couldn't tell if he was insinuating that, like, two guys that can handle the ball together or if he was literally taking shots at Dinwiddie and Booker. Uh, I think he's he's talking about just like both combo guards, both guys that can do their things. Um, I just, you know, I think he may have misremembered how good Askia Booker and Spencer Dinwiddie were together because the ending of the Askia Booker era was not as fun. Uh, I don't know that Tad Boyle's ever really talked about Askia Booker much after uh, all of that. So, uh, But, you know, you, you look at the guards for CU and the guy we haven't mentioned is Eli Parquet. 
who I I like when he's on the floor. He what was that a, laugh, Benet? Because I don't. Okay. Well, I I think he makes a lot of good decisions. I think that he plays really. He he tries really hard and he hustles really hard. And you know one of the one of the things I hate when I talk about a player is 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 you go okay he hustles put him on the floor because it's the whole reason Tory Craig is on the floor for the Nuggets and it drives me absolutely insane. But Parquet has a lot to offer because his hustle is not because he's just hustling. He's in position a lot of the time, and I think he has the potential to develop into a good shooter and a good finisher on the fast break. Uh, so I like Eli Parquet, but the, the going on the freshman thing, because I'm talking about the guards right now, you know, you talk about Keyshawn Bartholomew, Eli Parquet or Bartholomew is going to start in that, that number two spot next to McKinley Wright. But who's going to be that fourth guard? And it's probably going to be Dominique Clifford, who we haven't even talked about yet. And I know, Chase, you are very close with Dominique Clifford. And, uh, you know, it's either going to be Dominique Clifford, uh, Walker, or O'Brien that's going to get, you know, some of those minutes, you know, probably 10 a night as the fourth guard spot. And, and I really do believe it's going to be Clifford. Yeah, well, I like Nick a lot. I just think there's a, he has a long way to go, and we, we'll see it. Um, I think we'll see him a little bit in a few games, um, especially because they, it doesn't matter. They don't have to uh, redshirt guys this year. They're going to be automatically eligible. They're, this won't count against their eligibility, so um, they're not going to be forced to redshirt any of these freshmen, so I think they're, we're going to see a lot of them. Nick, he, he can make plays. He's a good shooter, um, great attacking the rim. I just don't know if he's going to be fully there defensively to be able to trust him um, to give him big-time minutes in the game. Yeah, I, I like him a lot, too. I think he has kind of like the McKinley-Wright mentality coming in, which I think is a huge asset to a player. The thing that, um, to, to Chase's point, he's 6'5", 175. So I don't know if he'll be able to – or he's listed at 6'5", 175 at least. He reminds me of when Spencer Dinwiddie got to campus is, is what okay. Dominique Clifford does because <laughs> Spencer was a tall, skinny kid um, yeah. with a lot of guard skills but not necessarily the um, the development of those skills yet. And mm-hmm. I, I think Dominique Clifford, especially if he's on the floor with McKinley Wright, there's not going to be a lot of decision-making for Dominique Clifford to have to do. Uh, it can simply be, hey – play really hard on defense and you might get a touch here in this possession and just make the right read get downhill get on the fast break i think Dominique clifford could have a really nice freshman year but it's going to be a freshman year where the usage rate is really low and that might be really good for him especially um given the fact that you know we i've talked to people across the state about this kid and there have been there's been more uh hype about Dominique Clifford than a lot of basketball prospects to come out of Colorado in the last few years. And it's kind of led me to believe that Dominique Clifford is, is probably an NBA player at some point, but I don't think that as of today, coming out of a three, a school in Vanguard, he's going to be able to step on the floor in the, in the, in, in college basketball and be amazingly impactful. I do think he's going to be able to impact the game in really small ways. And you're going to see the flashes of potential. And the question to me is, you know, we saw a little bit of this uh, with freshmen in the past. And, you know, sometimes they have really bad sophomore seasons. Sometimes they just explode. It's can, you know, Dominique Clifford develop in a positive environment in which, you know, he's not counted on much this year. And then he starts to take those roles up. 
And I think a really positive thing is not only McKinley Wright being there, but Keyshawn Bartholomew is thought of as the replacement to McKinley Wright. Dominique Clifford is not. Dominique Clifford has become an afterthought lost between these two classes where you have Quincy Allen and all these big names coming in next year, and you have Keyshawn Bartholomew and McKinley Wright right now. So Dominique Clifford has has an opportunity here, I think, to develop under the radar. And again, I look at him. And I've watched him play in high school, and I think that he could be an NBA guy. Like, he has all of the, the skills, and, and he has the build to do it. I agree. He has the tools for sure. It's just a question on if he can pick up everything else. And I know you mentioned it at the top of the show, and Tad has mentioned it quite a few times. These freshmen are behind. They didn't have as much time in the summer um, as they could have been, which might hurt uh, Neek's overall minutes this year. Do you remember, just going back to Spencer's freshman year, like how much he was able to make an impact, especially early on in, in the first 10 games or so? Well, he wasn't the starting guard initially, you know? Like, it was it was Nate who was playing a lot, and Spencer kind of took over towards the end of the year when the Buffs made that run. Uh, so it was, it was Tad kind of hesitant to work him in, and if you remember correctly... Early on in the Tad Boyle era, he wasn't necessarily gung-ho on playing freshman. Mm-hmm. And that kind of changed with that 2012 class a little bit because he had so much talent. Um, and then it changed a little bit more with this McKinley Wright class when he had to play freshman because so many people had left the team. So uh, Tad's not necessarily someone that just is going to give minutes to a freshman because of the potential. Like they got to earn it. And Tad's definitely going to go with the veteran players over the freshmen in any opportunity possible. So, um, yeah, you know, he didn't just give Spencer the reins. Spencer took the reins. And that's why I always compared McKinley to Spencer because McKinley got on campus and said, this is my basketball team. This right. is my team now. And and it's been that way since, since you know. Yeah, so, so now the question would be if Clifford has it in him to – to believe in himself that, that he can make an impact on this team this season. And we'll see. I, I think he's got all all the tools, but I'm just not sure if we'll see it this year. Which, which is fine. You know, again, it's fine. But they're going to need some positive minutes from someone else outside of that initial class because, you know, the, the, the rotation is pretty clear to me right now. It's McKinley, it's Parquet, Schwartz, Batty, Horn, Bartholomew, Daniels, Walton, and then you have – Strading and Clifford are the nine and ten guys that you know are going to play in the non-conference season. But when the the rotation kind of tightens towards the season, uh, the the regular season, they're not necessarily going to play. And then you've got Luke O'Brien, uh, Walker, and De Silva kind of on the outside looking in. So that's kind of how I see it right now. Uh, but you know, like they say, there's a lot to still happen in the next ten days before tip off, and the freshmen are still behind. Go ahead, Vinay. I was just going to say, I think Strading will see some time during this, the Pac-12 season, too. I don't know if he'll just be sitting out for most of it. Because Tad really likes him. Tad likes him a lot. And you know what's something to keep in mind is it's been a while since we watched basketball. And one of the big things with getting Dallas Walton last year was Tad Boyle said, honestly, it's at the very worst five more fouls a game out of our front court. Evan Batty struggles with foul trouble. We don't know what Jariah Horn's going to do. Uh, Dallas Walton has struggled with foul trouble at times because, you know, he's he's a big dude and sometimes he can be slow-footed. Uh, he, he isn't a slow-footed guy, but he can be. So you have Batty and Walton as your primary bigs. You're going to see Horn and Strading play the five at times in the Pac-12 mm-hmm. because these guys are going to get into foul trouble. Like, it's just That's scary. It scares the hell out of me. Like, they're not – like, 
you're looking at a team that could go to the tournament, and I think everyone thinks that, but you're looking at a team that could go to the tournament while having to play Alexander Strading and uh, dry a horn at the five for periods of time in Pac-12 play. So, yeah, you know, I think that should scare you. And the, I think the Colorado, Houston Rockets, Buffaloes. Right. And you know what? If the Buffs can design something and they can find strengths within their other things, which they have a lot of strengths. They've got a senior guard that's probably one of the top ten players in the country, in all honesty. Like, you know, you look at across the country and you go, hey, this guy might be a better NBA player, might potential. But in terms of what guys are going to do in 2020, 2021, McKinley Wright's going to be a top ten player in the country this year. So if you can build around that and then you build off your senior wing into Sean Schwartz, who can be very valuable, you can do very good things. The problem is, is can your rotation pieces and can your depth pieces do enough to, you know, lift those guys up and take you over the top? And I think there's a lot of candidates to do that. Certainly Evan Batty can step his game up to another level and become, you know, a really important player. Um, but... There are guys with question marks, whether it's Vinay with Eli Parquet, me with Maddox Daniels, or just the fact that they're freshmen, or Dallas Walton's injury troubles. So uh, I think this this team, to me, it's the most wait-and-see I've been out of a Tad Boyle team for a while, which is funny because Tad seems to really like this team. Uh, and I, I, don't, I haven't necessarily bought in all the way. I still do think that they're probably a tournament team, but I, I, I just – all the things and all the reasons that go into that thinking, I I can't like justify it. Like I can't get behind it because they're d- built on defense and rebounding. I don't see how they're getting rebounds, and their offense is based on getting inside out. I don't know how they're getting really inside all that much, and I'm not sure that they have that much outside scoring. So I'm I'm I'm, I'm I keep trying to look at this team, and I can't really figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if you guys have had some of that same problem. Probably give your last thoughts here. No, I, I completely agree with you. What what I was gonna say is we'll see how much Tad likes this team when they get out rebounded every night. Because they're gonna they're gonna have to find different ways to do it. And the one thing I do think that they're gonna be all right in is three point shooting. I think Jariah Horn's a good enough shooter. I think Schwartz will take another step. Tad keeps on talking about Parquet and how much he's worked on his jump shot um this off season. I think they have some guys there. We're going to have to see if they can make shots, obviously. I think McKinley Wright might be an improved uh, three-point shooter this year. So I, I'm not as worried about that, but they're going to have to rely on that in some games um, to outscore their opponent because I just don't know. They're going to give up some possessions in rebounding, especially Evan Batty at the five or Alex Strotting at the five or Jariah Horn at the five. You're going to give up a lot of possessions in rebound. Well, I don't know if that's – I don't know. I don't know if that's a big deal because – you don't have to be tall to be a good rebounding team. I mean, it helps, but to quote J.R. Payne, rebounding is a mindset. It's about how hard you work at the boards. There's no substitute for it. There's no substitute for just being scrappy down in the paint. And I agree with you, Chase. I think the three-point shooting will be a strength of this team. The only thing I worried about is the bigs defensively. Maybe we'll see like a Tad D'Antoni offense. Maybe well, and you guys forget everything he's ever done and just become a run-and-gun coach. You guys have mentioned the Rockets. Uh, one of the things they've proven the last few years is that size doesn't mean anything when rebounding. And I very much do think that the Buffs' best rebounder is their smallest player, McKinley Wright, which yeah. is not necessarily the best thing. But 
I think it's it's something that's still playable. Like I don't think that that's necessarily something the buffs can't get over. I want to give a special shout out to Lad, uh, the DJ who made the music on the intro and the back part. My best friend from growing up. Uh, <laughs> it's his birthday this weekend. I'm very happy for him. Uh, he is Chase Hall. He is also. Yes, I am. No, he's Chase Hall, and the other person's Vanessa. Uh-huh. He can be Chase Hall, and he can be. Vinay I'm Vanessa. Yeah. Uh, thank you to them for joining us, uh, and thank you to you for listening. We're going to do some cool stuff with this, probably get out to the bars once that's available, or if that's available at some point, do some some live shows. And at the very least, a couple of us will be hanging out there, and you can watch our live streams. Uh, you know, I, I'm really excited to have a CU Basketball podcast again and talk CU Hoops. Renee, go ahead. No, I'm saying thumbs, uh, thumbs up. Well, shameless plug, listen to uh, Vinay, me and Vinay's post-game podcast that we've been doing for football. Yeah, can't wait to see what you guys have to say uh, about Stanford. Uh, I can't wait to incessantly text you Saturday afternoon with just fiery hot takes that will not see the light of day on Twitter because uh, I don't need to lose followers. going to be ruining my fun again. <laughs> lose my notifications for no reason whatsoever. Anyway, again, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Adam for letting us have this opportunity. Um, you know, we're really excited to talk about CU basketball. When you when you look at CU basketball, there's only about I, I always joke there's about 20 people in the world that care as much as Tad Boyle. Uh, I can put us three in in that conversation. I know there's another podcast that I really like that covers CU basketball, and those guys are also in that conversation. So uh, I'm glad to to talk any CU basketball I can with anyone that I can, and uh, hopefully you guys enjoy this. And we'll be back very very soon. We'll get on a regular schedule once the season starts. So thanks for listening to the Colorado Buffaloes. Uh, Buff Stampede Basketball Podcast, and we'll talk soon.